listening to a sermon from Sojourn Church in Fairfax, Virginia. We hope that this is an encouragement to you no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. If you're not already, we would encourage you to connect to your local church. If you'd like to find out more about Sojourn in particular, please visit our website at sojournfairfax.com. May God bless you now as you listen to the preaching of his word. This morning, I'm going to be reading out of Psalm 130, so you guys can turn uh, to Psalm 130 or look in your bulletin. It should be there. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Yahweh. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Yahweh, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for Yahweh. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in Yahweh. For Yahweh, there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption and he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. If you're new with us this morning, normally there's another pastor that's here that's a bit more lively. It'll be much more normal, but my brain this past week shut down a bit. But most of you that call this your church homer are used to that. Amen? Amen. The Lord's blessed with a season of suffering for about three years. So if you're new with us this morning, I want to welcome you. This morning's going to be a little different. And most of you would say, yeah, it's different because just you're there. (laughs) But it's going to be a little different just because I'm not feeling the best. And so welcome. It's fun. Every week we gather at around 10 o'clock. If you're here at 10, you're more than welcome to come in and we go through the service. We go through the service order, but we talk about why we're here. We are the chorus of the redeemed. If you claim that Christ is your Savior, you this morning, and as we head on throughout the morning, together are joining God in his mandate on your life to shout forth his praises, no matter what. I don't know how you're coming in this morning. And a statement that we often say, we don't know what the day holds, but we know who holds the day. Amen, right? I'm going to share for 20 minutes, I think. But as you know, the work that must happen in your life is not a work that, that is something that I could conjure up even if I was really eloquent or very smart. It is only the work of the Holy Spirit, and so we desperately need His help this morning. Amen? And we desperately need his help on Monday at two o'clock as you're on a conference call that you can't see 
right away as being deeply spiritual. But, but don't miss this. It's 11 o'clock on a Sunday. It's just as important that you worship God on Monday at 2 o'clock. Even if you're on a conference call that you don't want to be on, you're on with people that may not know that there is a God. And may, you may not be able to mention God's name on that conference call, but you can surely be praying for them, and they may not have been prayed for ever by name. You are created in the image of God. You are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. And until He takes us home, we have a, we have a unique unique relationship with Him. You see, we're in the Psalm of Ascents, or Psalm of Ascent, whatever you get it. We're in the Psalm of Ascents. The Jewish people used to, if they weren't literally walking up the hill to Jerusalem, they would have the image in their mind, surely. And have you, have you ever been on a hike? How many of us have been on a hike outside? As if you can hike on the indoors, you get it. I guess you can on a Stairmaster, you'll work through it later. <laughs> but one of the things that provides joy in the midst of the hike is when you see the top of the mountain. And you see the top of the mountain or the top of the hill. And you see at the top of that hill, there may be a vista that displays beauty that you haven't seen before, or at least you don't normally see on a given day. I don't know what hill or mountain you've climbed, but could you just put yourself there just for a moment? If you remember it, you got to the top of it and you were exhausted, right? Maybe your legs hurt, sweaty, realizing that you don't have enough food, but that's right at those times that actually Cliff Bars taste good. I'm just kidding if you're a Cliff Bar representative. But you get to the top of the mountain and you're exhausted. And so if you remember, you're at the top of the mountain or the top of the hill or after a long hike and you're sitting there, but then all of a sudden you just realize it's exhausting. And then you lift your head up, right? And then you, and then you, and then you look out and you see the beauty of God's creation and you're left, Lord willing, in all of Him. Now, imagine that exponentially more significant when you realize that at the top of the mountain that you are hiking to, there is a unique presence of the glory of God. Imagine that. Oh, you'll still be exhausted. but there will be an excitement that will consume you that is absolutely indescribable. Now we know that we do not have to hike up a mountain right now to be in the presence of God. We are in the presence of God right now, but there is coming a day. Oh, this isn't it. There is coming a day where we will be in the presence of the Almighty God and we will look back on this hike we will look back on this climb and we will say, all oh, for all of my light and momentary afflictions fall away under the weight of the glory of God. Can you think about it? 
I hope very few words come to your mind because if, if they do, they're beneath it. And so it's in that moment It's in that moment, I won't fall, don't worry, Tom. It's in that moment, as we hike and as we climb, we're going to hit some rocks along the way. The path is always going to be there. Lord, I pray that there's some mom with a kid right now that's really crying. Would you just calm her anxious heart, help her to be patient the same way you are to us, and Lord, help the baby to, to calm down, in Jesus' name. And so the sweetness of, of this climb is that there, there will be stumbling, and there will be, there will be falling, right? And it will be hard. But you see, we're just not in it for the climb. We're going somewhere. And so look up, look up. And as we look up, we don't know what it's like to be in the presence of God unhindered by sin. So we have to go on the testimony of people that have. Remember Isaiah 6? Isaiah standing before the throne of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And if that wasn't enough, just fast forward to anybody who interacted with Jesus or an angel in the Gospels. They were terrified because he's holy. And then fast forward to the book of, last book of the Bible, book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 4. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed. And so these are coming from people that are like us, that are standing in the presence of God, unhindered by sin. And so all they can say is, worthy are you. Beloved, the climb is hard. We don't know what each day holds, but we know who holds the day. So today, we just have to be desperate. So think about the, the psalm of ascent. The psalmist is, is climbing. At least he's climbing in his mind. Maybe he's climbing physically. And he's about ready to be in the presence of the Almighty God in the Temple Mount. Can't quite go into the holies of holies yet, but he realizes there's, there's holy work being done. There's a holy presence there. And, and he begins, begins to think about. In verse 1, please open your Bibles to Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. So remember, he's climbing. He's thinking about the holiness of God. And, and what is his first thought? His first thought isn't like the disciples. The disciples like, well, well who's going to be at your left? Who's going to be at your right? Who's going to be the greatest, if you remember that? No, his very thought is how unholy I am. Out of of the depths. These depths that are being described in Psalm 130 are not depths because life is overwhelming for them. 
are not depths because they're in the pit of suffering. Those are depths in and of themselves. They're not in, a, and it's not so not a depth that has to deal with despair or depression. Very simply, this depth that this psalmist is in is one where he's coming face to face with how sinful he still is. How unholy he is. And out of that depth, he doesn't just sit in it. He doesn't just languish in it. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. He's in a depth. He's realizing how unholy he is. And he cries out to the Lord. You see, the power that we have as Christ's followers isn't in our ability to cry. Crying is important. I've seen many of you cry, as you have me. But it's in knowing the very one that we cry out to. The very one that we cry out to that actually can deliver us. That actually has forgiven us. That actually is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So out of the depths, where is he crying out from? Out of the depths. Who is he crying to? He is crying to the Lord. And if you see in the psalm, you see that there's all caps, Lord, and there's one that's uh, capitalized in the lowercase. Two different references, that two different aspects that highlight who God is. And, and very simply, they use two different Hebrew words, but the way I understand it in my simple mind, when I'm not doing well, when I'm laying in our basement for the third hour wondering what will tomorrow hold, The two words that kept coming to my mind this week were, he's the existing one. Out of the depths I cry out to the existing one. Never created, never to be destroyed. Never to fade. Never to grow fickle. Never to lose hope. The existing one who has always been the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. He's the existing one. So when you find yourself contemplating the holiness of God and in that, you become aware of how unholy you are. Move on through, don't ignore it, move on through. To cry out to the Lord the existing one. You see, this psalmist understood something very profound. He knew who he was crying out to. You, to. And I believe in the psalm, the Lord is referenced some 16, 15, 16 times in eight verses. When you're overcome by your sin, who do you cry out to? What do you look for, for for hope? What do you look to for help? Who do you cry out to? Do you cry out to the existing one? And then the, the second thing that I, that I really love is I also cry out to the one who, who I'm fully exposed to. You see in Hebrews 
4. Hebrews 4. Nothing is hidden from his sight. You stand before the Lord fully exposed. Now, that reality should both invoke a bit of a, a terror in you. <laughs> because he knows you better than you even know yourself. But it should also invoke in you a, a sense of that I'm loved. Because you see, it's easy to understand that someone's gonna love, that someone, it's easy to tell our spouse or friend, you love me because of what you get from me. It's a whole different thing when, when God looks at you and he says, I'm existing. There's nothing before my eyes that I am shocked by. So not only am I existing, but you're fully exposed before me and I love you. He knows your sin better than you know it yourself. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. And the power is that within Christ, he went to the cross knowing your sin. Yeah, the one last night, absolutely. The one that, the one that just occurred as you came in today. The one that will occur tonight and as it goes on. And he still says, I love you. I adore you. And so it's this psalmist that knew that out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. He cried out with a confidence because he knew who his God was. When you're overcome by your sin, who do you cry out to? Where do you look to for hope and for help? Have you spent any time thinking about how holy God is? Have you spent any time like I did this week having to repent of the simple fact that I put an infinite God into the finite box of my mind? Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. So let's just move on to verse two. Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? to call for the attention of the holy God. Let us not read scripture just so easily. <laughs> oh Lord, hear my voice. There's a, there's a personal relationship that this psalmist has with his God. Oh Lord, hear my voice. And it was so fun on our trip to Jordan. I just kept walking around the, the park outside of Kim's house one day and I was like, oh Lord, who am I that you're mindful of me? Who am I that you're mindful of me? And so I tie that in. Who am I? I'm the very one that can call for the full attention of God because I'm his adopted son. Oh, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears, back into the psalm, let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. As an adopted son or daughter, you can call for the full attention of God and you will always have it. He never gives you his leftovers. He's never angry. 
You can call for God's full attention at any time, and he is right there. Oh, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Our desperate cry should be for mercy. You see, we can't out God's love for us. There is no depth that is too deep for his divine love to reach in and say, uh-uh, you're mine. He has wooed you once. He's wooed you twice. He's wooed you three times. He will woo you until he brings you all the way home and to glory. You can never outsend God's mercy. You can never outsend God's grace. There is no depth that will ever divide you from his divine love. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. When you cry out to God, do you cry out for mercy? Have you come to the point in your life where you realize your greatest deeds are but filthy rags? Have you come to the point in your life that when, when you see your sin, you know that it is only God's mercy that can forgive you? I was meeting with a brother some years ago. He comes up to me after I had finished preaching about 1 a.m. I know it's late college students. Um, I finish up preaching, he comes to me and he goes, Edward, I'm, I'm, I've been hit with, with something I need to confess to you. And I wrestle with this, this sin. And I said, dear brother, what are you gonna do about it? Well, I'm gonna go do this, and I'm gonna go do that, and I'm gonna go do this, and I'm gonna go do that. And I said, hold up, homie. Why don't you come spend the night at my house? This conversation's gonna go a little longer than I have time for right now. So he comes back to their house, and he begins to confess even more his sin. And I said, dear brother, the one thing that God needs you to do is just recognize that you need his mercy, his unmerited favor. To believe that you can do anything to merit his mercy renders mercy powerless. And I said, brother, here's what I'm gonna do. Until you fall asleep, I'm just gonna read the gospels over you because I don't think you actually really, I think you just want to confess this sin because your conscience is troubled, and I appreciate that. But I want you to see that at the depth of your sin, you are sinning against a holy God. So I'm going to read the Gospels over you. And I pray that you would, like James instructs us in James 4, that you would weep and wail over your sin. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I pray that you'd be sobered to your reality, to the reality that you need mercy. He goes, I don't know, I've never felt that. And I said, just chill, it's not up to you, it's not up to me, the spirit will work. Trust me, I've been with me and I've been with him for 19 years. So he read the Gospels. And we read and we read and he fell asleep. And he woke up in the morning, comes upstairs. 
And he said, so my answer to you last night should have been, I just need God's mercy. And I said, yes, little brother. We can't earn God's favor. And so that's why our desperate cry must be for mercy. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, could mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? No one. But sometimes, at least I say, I can But, but, this but gives us permission to lament over our sin because we are so loved by God already. We have permission to be sad over our sin because our Savior has already went to the cross and he's already out of the tomb and he's already seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But, but with you, Lord, there is forgiveness that you may be feared, that there may be a reverence, that you are so forgiven and God can't wait to forgive you and for you to enter into that forgiveness so much so that he's like, I can't wait because at that moment when you realize that all the shackles of shame and guilt are gone, you will have a reverence from me that is indescribable. So the pathway to reverence for God is, is repentance. Saying, Lord, forgive me. I need your mercy. Forgive me. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. I wait for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning, more than a, a watchman for the morning. Having realized that we are forgiven, we can wait for the Lord because we're already loved. We can wait with a hope and a hope that will not disappoint. His word will never let us down because his word is preparing us for where we will spend all of eternity. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. More than a watchman for the morning, more than a watchman for the morning. Oftentimes a watchman would wait impatiently for the morning. And so that verse is instructing us that as you are repenting, of your sin in light of the holiness of God and developing an ever deeper reverence for Him, do so with patience. Be patient with yourself. God's patient with you. And then it goes on to say, and I'm losing steam, so I'll wrap this up. Oh, Israel. Put your name in here. Oh, Israel. Oh, oh, Anna. Oh, Daniel. Oh, Bram. 
Oh, Sarah. Oh, Sean. Oh, put your name in there. All I laid in bed when I was supposed to be writing a sermon was, Oh, Edward, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love and plentiful redemption. Oh, Edward, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is steadfast love and plentiful redemption. And I was like, oh, Lord, Sunday can't come sooner. How can I contain this to myself? Here I am stuck in my basement by myself. But I love it that you're here, Lord. You see, his steadfast love. (laughs) You'll give up on you before he will ever give up on you. His steadfast love and his plentiful redemption. The word plentiful there means it breaks the bounds. It breaks the bank of any river and overflows onto your life. It is a plentiful redemption. Oh, Israel. Oh, church, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love and plentiful redemption, and I will And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Is there an iniquity? Is there a sin that the blood of Jesus Christ does not wash away? Is there a sin? Is there a sin that God knowing full well since the beginning of time, knowing that he was going to send Jesus to rescue us out of our depth, to deliver us to himself, is there any sin that you have or will commit? That he's like, hmm, didn't cover that one. No. You worship a holy God. And I went longer than 20 minutes, forgive me. We worship a holy God who's all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere and always. There is nothing hidden from his sight. Nothing hidden from his sight. There is no depth that you're in that he's surprised by. And he still says, I love you. I've done my part in communicating the scriptures. The Spirit is speaking to you right now. So I think, yeah, I'm going to give you a few minutes. And what I want you to do is, Lord, how should I respond to such a a wonderful song? Thank you. Tom's been looking at me to tell me when I'm getting too close to the edge. Thank you. I appreciate you watching out. (laughs) Literally fall fall into a depth. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) that would be a great illustration. Bam! (laughs) Um, Anyways. So you're climbing. Back to the initial illustration. You're climbing. The goal isn't to focus in on the depth that you're in. The goal is to focus in on the glory that will be to come. And then when we focus in on where we are going, then we can look back at our depth soberly because the depth 
It is not the only thing that we will ever be stuck in. He will deliver us. And so what I'd love for you to do is just spend a few moments. I, I don't know what the Lord is speaking to you. I know it was probably hard to follow. I had no outline, obviously. But I just pray that you'd spend a few moments with the psalm and say, Lord, would you speak to me? And I've been praying all week that he would speak to you in such a way that you would leave here in absolute and utter awe with him. I was texting with uh, Sean yesterday. And he texted me something very profound. He said, essentially just rest, Edward. The Spirit will attend to your soul. I now entrust you into the loving care of the Holy Spirit. And I just ask that you just sit quietly and say, Spirit, please speak to me. How are you supposed to respond to this psalm? I don't know. Outside of know that you're loved. Okay. And I'll step up in a minute and we'll do communion. sure love you all. One of my greatest joys is serving as a fellow member of this church. We get a chance to tr stir each other's affections for Christ. I simply pray that, that you've come to know how, how holy he is, that he exists, and you stand before him exposed. And he says, I love you. It was at the simple reading of this psalm. That Luther, Martin Luther was converted. It was the simple reading of this psalm. Martin Luther, one of the fathers of the Reformation was converted. I think if you were to ask Luther, 
What was it about this psalm? I think piecing together what I've read about him, he would say, it's the, it's the knowledge that I'm personally forgiven by mercy. It was 10 years into John Wesley's ministry, <clears throat> preaching ministry, where at the reading of this psalm, he realized that he was misunderstanding the wrong gospel. He misunderstood the gospel. In that moment, he consecrated his life to the Lord and repented. Ten years into the ministry. By the simple reading of God's word. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, we as a church hope. we now come forward to take communion. Remembering that there was a body broken for us. This, this body that was broken for us was, was the only one who has and will forever be both fully God and fully man. To be devoid of either would render his sacrifice worthless. His body was broken for you. And then you take of the wine. Don't do so quickly. Because we're to take of the wine as remembrance that there was blood shed for us. That the filth that was your sin has been washed away. And we as Christ's followers come to understand that even more as we come to better understand how sinful we still are and continue to confess over that sin, we enter into our cleansed state. Just follow. Cleansed state even more. We come to embrace even further our forgiveness. And so as you come forward for communion, maybe your preparation for communion today should be reading over Psalm 130 again. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And by his wounds we are, by his wounds we are healed. Beloved, church. Beloved. And let us do such an amazing job of loving each other that we're not so quick to forget it. Please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, out of the depths we cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear our voice. Thank you that we do not have to come before you with a voice that has been cleaned up, a voice that has done everything that week perfectly. Thank you that we can come before you as your adopted children, knowing that we call for your full attention. And when we have your full attention, we have it. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your glory. We cry out to you, Lord, we desperately need mercy. We know that it is your mercy that will help us to realize that we are forgiven. 
And Lord, you have forgiven us of so much that, that all we can do really is stand in, in reverence and awe of a love so divine. And Lord, we will wait for you. And we will find hope in your word. And we will wait patiently for you, Father. Not because you are slow, but because you're not finished purifying us. You are our hope. And we know that in you, our hope will never be disappointed. Lord, thank you for the patience of my brothers and my sisters. Lord, I pray that you would so bless them. Please, Lord. Help us to take communion and to sing songs at the overflow of our heart. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon from Sojourn Fairfax. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at sojournfairfax.com. Go in peace.